So Nick, my oral boards are nearly upon me. I'm going to be taking them in December. Man, Faye, I am feeling kind of lucky because mine are after yours in January, um, but the heat is starting to get turned up. How are you studying? So one of the ways that I'm studying um, is by going onto the OBG project and taking a look at their most up-to-date information to make sure that I am studied up on GYN because I don't practice GYN anymore. I'm going back through my bookshelf articles to take a look at some of those high-yield topics from GYN that I just don't remember. Um, But they've also got a ton of great other information regarding obstetrics, certainly, um, but then even just professionalism things um, and life as a physician. Yeah, absolutely. And so you don't need to just be studying for your oral boards to appreciate and use OBG Project. You can also use it if you are a resident or an attending and you're just studying up to make sure that you are practicing um, good OBGYN. You can also join us to get OBG first and make your very own bookshelf and go back to those resources that you like. And if you are a fourth year resident, you can actually sign up for one whole year free. Head on over to our website, check out the sidebar, figure out how you can get OBG first for a whole year, absolutely free. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Nick. This is Faye. And this is Creogs Over Coffee. Coffee. All right. So today on the show, we're going to review some endocrine knowledge and talk about puberty and precocious puberty. So Faye, what are our learning objectives? So today we're going to discuss the normal stages of puberty first, then we're going to understand the different causes of precocious puberty, and then finally we'll review when we should work up signs of precocious puberty and how to do that, and then when we should refer. Let's start off with the easier questions, Nick. What exactly is puberty? Maybe that was an easier question for you, Faye, but certainly there's a lot of childhood trauma that's repressed for me in terms of what is puberty, and maybe for some of our listeners too. (laughs) But puberty, at least from a medical definition, is a physical process of maturation from childhood to adulthood, and specifically an adult that's capable of sexual reproduction. This is also a time of cognitive and psychosocial maturation, and when we think about it medically, we kind of think about two primary areas. There's a gonad arc, if you will, that's the activation of gonadal glands by the pituitary hormones, FSH and LH. And then there's adrenarch, which is an increase in the production of androgens by the adrenal cortex. Faye, can you tell me in maybe that scientific terminology exactly of what causes puberty? Puberty, we think, is triggered by a hypothalamic activation and production of GnRH in a pulsatile fashion that leads to FSH and LH production in the pituitary gland. What exactly causes this hypothalamic activation is not really completely understood. It's thought to be associated with many factors, things like overall general health, nutrition, genetic factors, and a lot of other environmental cues. And there's also been some thought that, you know, for example, Um, you need to have a certain amount of body fat before your body is able to undergo puberty. You know, the age of menarche actually has been steadily decreasing. So if we look at some studies from Europe, for example, the age of menarche has decreased from 17 and a half to about 12 and a half to 13 years in the last few centuries. On average, girls begin puberty at around age 10 to 11 in the United States. And we'll talk about how that applies to things like precocious puberty and delayed puberty a little bit later. 
One other note is that puberty can be a time of emotional distress. I think we probably all remember this as people who have gone, um, you know, through middle school. Not only are these patients usually preteens or teens um, with multiple societal and home pressures, like from school, friends, parents, they're also experiencing significant changes in their bodies. And child psych studies have shown that clinical symptomatology for previously diagnosed psychiatric disorders increased steeply when they reach puberty. And for some, this is the first onset of certain psychological symptoms. So for these patients, it's really important to follow them and work closely with your pediatric colleagues as well as with your psychiatric colleagues if your patients are um, exhibiting any types of psychological symptoms or worsening of their psychological symptoms. Okay, so Nick, let's kind of move on a little bit now and talk about the different components of puberty, specifically in our patient population. These were defined by Marshall and Tanner back in about 1970, and yes, that specific Tanner. And I can't believe I'm going to say this on a podcast, but you can (laughs) actually remember the stages through a mnemonic um, that's kind of crude, but very easy to remember, admittedly. So the stages kind of go like boobs, pubes, spurt, squirt. And again, like just park that in your mind. And I apologize for anyone who that may have offended out there, but I promise it's useful. Um, the first stage in that mnemonic, obviously, is thelark or breast development. And this is usually the first physical sign of puberty in the formation of breast buds. The second step is pubarch or adrenarch, if you will, um, which is the growth of pubic hair that usually follows a few months after breast development begins. Breast development and pubic hair development really are the defining characteristics of the Tanner stages. Um, Obviously, it's really hard to go through the Tanner stages over a podcast. You really have to see the pictograms or the diagrams for that. Um, So we won't go through them here, but we'll have an image posted to the website. So, okay, so boobs, pubes. The next is the spurt or the growth spurt. Um, And then finally, the last part, the squirt, if you will, is menarch or getting your first period. In the United States, the average age is around age 12, as Faye mentioned earlier. So we've set up sort of our scheme of puberty, if you will, Faye, the sort of way that we're going to go through this. But there can be problems with puberty. And as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're going to talk precocious puberty today. Yeah. So um, the first thing we'll talk about, again, remember, we want to talk about timing of puberty. And in the United States, usually puberty, meaning the very beginning of it, begins around the age of 10 to 11 in girls. Um, But there's a really wide range and can be anywhere from the age of 8 to 13. Puberty is not just the beginning of menstruation, right? Nick just talked about, you know, the breast development and pubic hair and axillary hair development. Precocious puberty is evidence of puberty, any of those signs, you know, growing pubic hair or um, having breast buds, that starts 2 to 2.5 standard deviations earlier than the populational norm. So classically, this has been defined as breast budding before the age of 8 in girls, though there are some racial differences in the literature that range somewhere between the ages of 7 to 8. And there's an increasing trend of earlier puberty in the United States. And so for simplicity's sake, we're going to use the age of eight as our cutoff, um, at least when we should start thinking that there might be some signs of precocious puberty. But again, it's a little bit hazy because if we're using that cutoff that of that standard deviation of 2 to 2.5, just remember that the age of puberty has started to become earlier and earlier in our history. What about the incidence of precocious puberty? Like when should we expect it and what are the some of the risk factors and what are some of the risks that we think of um, when someone has precocious puberty? Like why do we care? So this is regrettably a little 
difficult to assess um, for some of the reasons that you mentioned earlier, Faye. I think if you were to distribute this normally or think it was a normal distribution, right, because we're using two to two and a half standard deviations, you might expect it to be like an incidence of 2% or something like that. But in population-based studies, it's a little more complicated. Breast and pubic hair development at age eight in this study occurred in about 48% of black females and 15% of white females in the United States. At age seven, it's actually 27% for black females and 7% for white females. If you look at different populations, the results actually are drastically different. Um, and so really this definition of precocious puberty is especially especially problematic for female children. Um, and as you mentioned, we need to take a lot of other factors into account, such as obesity and family history. Precocious puberty also, interestingly in studies, has a strong predominance for diagnosis in female children, approximately 87% of those evaluated in one study. Kind of as we look towards causes, 80% of girls who are called to have precocious puberty actually end up with what's determined to be idiopathic precocious puberty. Um, so again, it's really, really challenging to diagnose and determining what's like pathologic versus idiopathic or exactly what we get to can be really challenging. But it's still a problem, Faye, in a lot of senses. So we should care about anyone who's coming to us with a concern for precocious puberty. Some of these things include both psychosocial reasons and also implications to overall um, health. So first, in terms of psychosocial reasons, early menarche is often associated with earlier timing of sexual debut. And it also leads to increased risk of things like teenage pregnancy and sexually transmitted infections, particularly HPV. And children may not be prepared for the implications of puberty and sexual maturation. So you can imagine if someone is, you know, becoming sexually mature at the age of 10, 11, or 12, um, mentally um, and psychologically, they're just not ready for some of those implications. Other implications include things like earlier closing of the epiphyseal plates, and that can lead to things like shorter stature, which can also certainly um, affect um, mental image and also um, interactions of that child with the outside world. And then also, um, there is an increased risk of things like breast cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and actually all-cause mortality in patients who have precocious puberty. So certainly something that we should be concerned about. So Nick, I feel like we've been talking about, you know, puberty and the risks of precocious puberty. So what actually causes precocious puberty? Yeah, so we can break this up into central precocious puberty and peripheral precocious puberty, if you will. Central precocious puberty is defined by early maturation of the hypothalamic pituitary ovarian axis. And as you mentioned, we don't really know what causes that normally. Um, so we can't really put a finger on what causes it to trigger early or abnormally too. It's idiopathic in about 80 to 90% of females, but only in about 25% of male children. There can be central nervous systems lesions that do lead to central precocious puberty, things like hypothalamic hamartomas, other CNS tumors, um, and history of cranial radiation. Peripheral precocious puberty is usually due to excess secretion of sex hormones overall. Some of the things you might think about as a differential here can be ovarian tumors, 
Again, really rare, but you're thinking in this case about the granulosa cell tumor and sometimes Sertoli Leydig cells tumors, and in that case would cause actually androgenization of the female patient. Primary hypothyroidism can also be a concern. Severe, long-standing hypothyroidism can occasionally cause precocious puberty, and the reason for this is actually because of cross-reactivity and stimulation of the FSH receptor by high levels of TSH. Again, remember those anterior pituitary hormones share that same alpha subunit. It's a really high TSH can actually act like FSH and cause that precocious puberty. Exogenous chemicals and sex steroids are certainly of concern. Adrenal tumors can be of concern. Congenital adrenal hyperplasia is another one of those that probably gives you some bad flashbacks. Maybe um, not our REI colleagues. <laughs> yeah, those steroid pathways, again, 21-hydroxylase deficiency being the most common of these CAH disorders, though these patients often present in early infancy um, with concerns for this overall. And then the last one that we should mention is the McCune-Albright syndrome, um, which is also a really rare cause of precocious puberty, but is a triad of peripheral precocious puberty, irregular cafe au lait spots, and the thought here is like the borders kind of look like the coast of Maine, as a shout out to all you East Coasters still up there. Um, and then finally, fibrous dysplasia of the bone. Now that we've gotten through a broad differential for this, the question is how are we going to figure it out? Yeah, I mean, we always start with history and physical, so I you know, always start with that here because that's going to be probably your most important form of diagnosis. If you suspect precocious puberty, you should ask the patient and their guardian about, you know, when did they first notice these changes and how long has um, this change been going on for and how quickly have things been progressing? So, for example, has this been occurring in the last year and has there been very quick development of breast tissue with rapid onset of menstruation? That would lead to potentially a more concern for a peripheral source or tumor. And what about growth? So is there rapid growth? That might suggest something like a central precocious puberty. Slower growth might also signal a benign or idiopathic cause. And also ask about things like headaches and vision changes because that would also suggests some form of CNS tumor. And also ask about things like possible exposure to exogenous chemicals. Is, you know, mom on hormone replacement therapy and using like estrace gel or cream and did the child somehow get into it? After asking these questions and of course making sure that you ask about previous uh, medical history and things like that, um, you also want to do a careful physical exam. You should be doing a height, weight, and height velocity which is like those growth charts if you remember from medical school. This is not something that we usually do as OBGYN, so it might be best evaluated by the patient's pediatrician because they're very used to doing growth charts and they might be able to catch something like this if we see that a child is shooting up um, from the growth chart, growing much faster than expected. The other things to look for are things like signs of McCune Albright. So are there these cafe au lait spots that we talked about? And then it's important to also stage the puberty with Tanner staging so that you're able to describe it to the next physician. What about tests, Nick? So like, let's say you suspect that there's precocious puberty. What are some of the things that we should order so that we can narrow down our differential diagnosis? I think one of the ones that we often will think about or at least see in a test question is the bone radiograph. Um, though I have to admit, even being in an REI clinic and dealing with some precocious puberty, I have never actually looked at a bone radiograph for bone age. Me neither. Um, and so I don't think we really generally do this. So this is something that you might think about getting pediatric endocrinology involved in, especially for follow-up. Um, but 
the boiled down essentials of it is that you're using a hand x-ray to look at the growth plates and the metacarpals and the wrist, et cetera. Um, and then you're assessing for advancement in bone age or premature closure of those growth plates. Things we're probably more familiar with as gynecologists include FSH, LH, estradiol, and testosterone levels. Um, again, an elevated estradiol with suppression of FSH and LH is suggestive of some sort of peripheral production. Um, you could consider getting a brain MRI to rule out a central lesion if you have concern there. Pelvic ultrasounds, usually starting again with transabdominal ultrasound in children, allows us to see peripheral tumors. And then in patients who have precocious pubark, so again, pubic hair, axillary hair growth, and then no menarche, you want to think about adrenal causes. So you're thinking about those adrenal steroids like 17-hydroxyprogesterone, DHEA, testosterone, androstenedione. Um, again, the flashbacks to those terrible adrenal steroid synthesis pathways. Um, but again, thinking about what's going on with the adrenals, measuring those um, as a way to think about functional adrenal tumors. We've already mentioned sort of with the bone growth thing, but referral to pediatric endocrinology is also something worth considering here. All right, Faye, do you want to talk about treatment? Well, treatment is really based off of cause, and we won't cover it here. Essentially, the principles of treatment will be based off of the child's age, the rate of progression, um, their height velocity, and then their estimated final height. The goal of treatment is to allow for the child to grow to a normal adult height and also to relieve psychosocial stress. So usually for children with central precocious puberty, you can actually treat with something like a GnRH agonist, so like Lupron, for example. And again, this is usually done with a pediatric endocrinologist um, or potentially um, a reproductive endocrinologist with a special interest in this area. So we're going to defer further management to them in terms of dosing and follow-up and things like that. What this episode is designed to do is to help you figure out the initial stages if someone comes to you with signs of precocious puberty and to start that initial workup so that you can then refer as a general OBGYN to the appropriate specialist for follow-up. All right, Faye, I think that does it for puberty and precocious puberty. So why don't we try and summarize? So we first talked about um, what puberty actually is. So it's this physical process of maturation from a child to an adult that is capable of sexual reproduction. We need to also remember about things like cognitive and psychosocial maturation at this time. And puberty itself is composed of two main areas, gonadarchy, which is the activation of the gonads, and adrenarchy, which is increase in production of androgens in the adrenal cortex. This is caused by, we think, um, some type of trigger that then leads to hypothalamic activation and production of GnRH and a pulsatile fashion. It's interesting to see that the age of puberty has actually started to decrease. Age has decreased uh, from 17 and a half to 12 and a half to 13 years in Europe. The different components of puberty, remember that very crude mnemonic, but also helps you remember it. Boobs, pubes, spurt, squirt. Again, start with thelark or breast development, followed by adrenarch or pubarch, which is the growth of pubic hair, usually a few months after thelark. Then you go into a growth spurt, and then finally, menarche, the first period, the average age of which in the United States is around 12. We then talked about the timing of something like precocious puberty, and we reviewed the fact that the definition of timing is just pretty problematic because of the fact that puberty is starting to happen earlier and earlier in the United States. Traditionally, it can be defined as puberty beginning um, more uh, beginning more than two to two and a half standard deviations earlier than the population norm, and traditionally, this has been set at the age of eight. However, if we were to set this at the age of eight, we would actually see about 48% of black females have breast bud development 
development at this point, and 15% of white females have breast bud development at this point. And so what we're trying to say here is that we should use this as a guideline and to start thinking about possible precocious puberty if this is something that patients are presenting with, but there's not really a harsh cutoff in terms of when precocious puberty actually begins, but that's kind of the age that we start to think about, um, again, because the age has just started to become lower and lower. Even though it's a little bit tenuous, that definition, it's still important to evaluate any patient with concern for precocious puberty. Certainly psychosocial reasons such as early menarche associated with earlier timing of sexual debut, increased risk for teenage pregnancy and sexually transmitted infection, um, as well as just childhood development and their readiness for puberty, all can be reasons to think about why precocious puberty matters. Um, other implications on health include early closure of the epiphyseal plates leading to shorter stature, an increased risk for disease such as breast cancer, heart disease, and diabetes in life. In terms of causes of precocious puberty, we split this up into central and peripheral. Central causes um, are mostly idiopathic. 80 to 90% of females with central precocious puberty will have an idiopathic cause. Other causes could be things like um, CNS tumors and cranial radiation. Peripheral precocity really comes from things like excess secretion of sex hormones. So things to think about are like ovarian tumors, adrenal tumors, things like congenital adrenal hyperplasia, exogenous exposure, primary hypothyroidism, and even something as rare as McCune-Albright syndrome. The workup starts, as always, with a history and physical. Again, talking with the parent guardian and really getting a sense of when changes first started, how long things have been going on for, and how quickly this has been progressing. Again, rapid growth may suggest central precocious puberty, um, whereas a quick occurrence of breast development and then rapid onset of menstruation thereafter might be more concerning for peripheral sources. Um, there's other things in the history and physical exam that can give you better clues, such as height, weight, height, velocity, um, those signs of McCune-Albright like the cafe au lait spots and pubertal staging. In terms of things like testing to order, um, this is where we're starting to think about potential referral because you can get things like a bone radiograph, but usually this is like followed up by a pediatric endocrinologist to look for things like advanced maturation of the bone or else things like premature closure of the growth plates. You can also consider things like FSH, LH, estradiol, and testosterone because if you see things like an elevated estradiol level with suppression of FSH or LH, that would suggest a peripheral production. Other things to think about are brain imaging, pelvic ultrasounds, and specifically in patients who have signs of just pubic hair growth and axillary hair growth, but no menarche, you can consider measuring things like adrenal steroids. Finally, we talked about treatment very briefly. Again, we're not going to cover treatment in depth today, but the goal overall is to allow the child to grow to a normal adult height and relieve psychosocial stress. And the principles of treatment are primarily going to be based off of the child's age, the rate of progression, and the estimated height. Again, this is often done alongside or primarily by pediatric endocrinology, um, though usually for children with central precocious puberty, we think about GnRH agonists as central to treatment. All right, so I think that brings us to the end of this episode. So once again, this is Faye. This is Nick. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. So guys, if you enjoyed the episode today, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, whatever your podcatcher is. Give us a five-star rating interview. You can find us on social media on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Instagram and Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, and you can support us on our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee. You can find show notes for this episode as well as all of our previous episodes and the Rosh Review Question of the Week on our website, CreogsOverCoffee.com. 
And if you want to suggest an episode or give us a correction for a previous episode, email us, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. Thank you.